As has been said uh, briefly this morning, we're starting a new series, uh, but um, as we do that, I want to just say there's no uh, there's no handout, but you'll be receiving a, a book this morning. So as you leave this door, someone from the welcome team will be standing there and they'll give you a book, or there'll be a box and you can take one of these. You need one of these really to make the most of this upcoming series. We do once a year a campaign where the whole church together is reading a book. This book is way thicker than it should be because uh, the guy who produced it loves full spread colour photos. So uh, there's lots of, it, it doesn't, don't be intimidated by the size of the book if you're not much of a reader. But in your explore groups, uh, and there's sort of a daily reflection there, it's very short, just one verse and two sentences. A daily reflection, explore groups, Sunday mornings, we're all going to be working through this book together. Um, and this is everyone, this is not just uh, us in here, it's um, the, the kids as well, they're all beginning this Sunday to talk about uh, this book and reflect on it. So we're all doing this together as a church, so everyone is in this together, so it's a, it's a way of being, oh, I almost said what I was going to say, uh, which would be helpful, but I'm, uh, well, I'm going to say a bit later. You may have heard of this phrase, you had one job. Okay, get ready for winter and it's flip-flops. You had one job set up for the winter sale. You had one job, don't bend the envelope. You had one job, put up the signs for the door. Do not enter, enter only. You had one job, put the toilet seat on. <laughs> I'm going to go back to that one so we're not looking at the toilet seat in a couple of minutes. You had one job. You ever heard that phrase before? You ever seen those kind of pictures before? As Christians, we've got more than one job. It's true, we have got more than one job. But there's a pretty central one that I think actually, historically, we, we could be quite poor at. We could try and avoid. Uh, and it's this, living our lives on mission, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I think there's a, a guy called Rip Warren who, uh, he says there's only two things you can do in heaven, I'm not entirely sure about this, he says that you can do in heaven you can't do on earth, sin and tell people the gospel, share the gospel. <coughs> now I think that's it's not quite 100% accurate, but... One day, there will not be the opportunity to share the gospel in the same way. Marion's prophetic challenge last week was on, in response to that song, Break My Heart for What Breaks Yours, about our hearts being aligned with God's. This series, this campaign that we're doing is called Life on Mission, and the tagline, which Marion didn't know this, is God's people finding God's heart for the world. God's people finding God's heart for the world. That's what the aim of this is. Actually, by the end of this time, our hearts are more aligned with God's. But we desire to share the good news that has benefited us with other people. So many of what was, so much of what was shared this morning is fantastic. It's just, it's just so encouraging for what we're, what we're looking at over the next few weeks. This is the difference God has made in my life. 
So over the next five weeks, and then we'll have a, a, a roundup uh, Sunday as well, we're going to look at how we connect with people, how we make genuine friendships, how we can serve and bless others, how we can communicate the gospel, how we can share the good news so that it is good news and not a guilt trip. We're going to look at how we can help people move forward and grow in their journey of faith. And we're going to look at how we pray. I think that's so key what Peter shared about praying. We have to be praying about this. You've got someone you know and you love that you want to see transformed by the power of Jesus. You need to be praying for that person. You need to ask God to move. Now you might think, well, I know all of those things, Aaron. That's that's fine. Um, I, I, I could probably teach a lot of that myself. Uh, so who is this campaign for? Well, it's for anyone who hasn't shared their faith recently, say in the last month. Now we're not going to get a, a show of hands, but if you've not shared your faith in the last month, this is for you. If you've not had a significant conversation about the gospel in the last month or so, this is for you. And if you have done, then you're probably excited by the fact that we're going to be looking at this as a church. Last week, I think it was last week, last week's a bit of a blur to be honest, last week I I think I made the comment that there were children going without breakfast on, on that morning that we were meeting. There were children out there who wouldn't have eaten breakfast. And that is, that is a horrific thing. I was interested because uh, nobody came to me and said, oh, Aaron, you were talking about hurting for people and trying to help people, and you said about you know, people not having breakfast, and you didn't say about people going to hell. No one sort of challenged me on that. I was quite interested by it. Um, and I think one of the jobs of the church and one of the jobs of, of Andy and I as the leaders of this church is to equip the church for good works, to make sure that we're all able to do the jobs we're meant to be doing. And I think uh, there's a dullness that has occurred in terms of our cutting edge to share the gospel with people. Now, there's no shame or condemnation in this room because it's not... I'm not saying you've all lost your edge. I'm saying we as a church have lost our edge. I was praying, I've been reading uh, through some of the Old Testament Exodus, particularly, been reading through in preparation for some stuff we're going to look at next year. And God is talking to Moses and he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it just struck me, I just this I'm the God of Abraham. And I was just thinking about it, and I was, I was encouraged, actually, because Abraham shouldn't have had children. He was too old. His wife was too old. And yet, they had children. They were, they, he fathered a nation. And I felt, as I was sort of just reflecting on that, God was speaking to me through it, that there's been kind of a, a spiritual infertility in this church. And... I just want to encourage you that God says he's the God of Abraham. He's the God, when you think, oh, it's too late for me. Well, I'm never going to reproduce now. I've done that. I've messed up too badly. Actually, he's the God of Abraham. When you think you're beyond the years, 
He's the God of Abraham. He brings reproduction when it shouldn't be there, logically speaking. So I want to encourage you with that and say, as I said before, there's no shame in this room. There's no condemnation that oh, you messed up. This, we want to get sharp. We want to be effective. We want to bless people. And the, we want to transform. We want to see this town transform. We want to see this estate transform. We want to see the estates of this town transformed by the power of the gospel. So this morning... All I want to do is persuade you of two things. I want you to leave this room fully persuaded of two things. One, it's our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We've got one job-ish. A few jobs. But one of them is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to leave this room fully persuaded of that. And I want you to leave this room fully persuaded that you are capable of doing it. Yeah. You are capable of doing it. We are capable of doing it. And the way that we're going to do that, we're going to look at five short sections of scripture. And I'm hoping that they're going to encourage us in those two ways. Today, as I said, it's our mission to share the good news and we're capable of doing it. Now, maybe you're already fully persuaded, in which case this might be boring for you, but hopefully you are just generally encouraged. It's our mission because Jesus told us to go. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. This is often known as the Great Commission. And it's the, Jesus says, Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus came and said to them, go and make disciples. We're all meant to go. I think it's so helpful again what Peter said this morning. Some of us will go to the other side of the world. Mary's going in a couple of weeks. She's coming back. Um, but Mary's going in a couple of weeks. Some of us will go to the ends of the earth, as it's sometimes referred to. I'm going to say it later. We're already in the ends of the earth for some people. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, they're, they're in Israel, Watford is the ends of the earth to them. We're all meant to go and make disciples. You can set the tone in your workplace. You can set the tone in your school and in your home. You can be the... I think making disciples, I think we can be, understand my vernacular, we can be a bit more aggressive in this. We don't have to be passive and go, well, maybe I'll wait for someone to sort of make the, the office this kind of atmosphere. Actually, we can set the tone in that sense. We can be the one who says, I'm going to do good things for people. I'm going to have meaningful conversations. I'm going to ask and check how people are and really mean it, not just go, you're right, yeah, you're right, yeah. Which, that's, you know, that's my normal pattern of speech. It's our mission because Jesus told us to go and make disciples. It's our mission because it's what we were made for. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in in them. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. We're made for good works. Now, good works doesn't just mean sharing the gospel. It's not quite as cut and dry as you had one job. (laughs) But we're created for good works, that we should walk in them. It's what we're meant to be doing. We're meant to be living our life, doing these things that God has prepared for us. When Sue was sharing about those shoes, I just found that so encouraging. Cruddy old pair of shoes, get a bit closer. Sue did say this, in my mind, I was thinking, Italian leather, crafty, <laughs> fantastic pair of shoes. You know, just give them a bit of polish, get some dubbing on there, uh, if you know what dubbing is. Um, makes them all shiny, protects the leather, all that sort of stuff. Oh, fantastic. We're his workmanship. Some, some people say it should be really a masterpiece. Not, not dabbing, <laughs> dabbing. Um, God wants to encourage you this morning. If you feel like, actually, my leather's a bit cracked and dry, he wants to come by his spirit, massage into you new life, new enthusiasm. Just you are his masterpiece, yeah. created for good works. It's our mission because it's what we were made for. It's our mission because there's still lots to do. I've turned it off. I would turn it off, I don't know why. Um, There's still lots to do. Talking about Jesus, it says when in Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. It's Matthew 9, 36 to 38. The harvest is plentiful. This was Jesus speaking 2,000 odd years ago, so I've got some statistics here. This yellow line, you can't really see this very well, it's not a very big chart. Uh, this is historical estimates of world population. Um, oh, look at that. Thank you. What a guy. Um, I'm about to click, so it might really mess that up. Um, but you can zoom back in. So that yellow band is sort of 1950 to 2050. And these are sort of, uh, there's a blue line and a red line. Blue line is lower estimate. Red line is the actual sort of upper estimates. And there you go. So this is the, the population of the Earth, estimated, obviously, to some degree. So Roughly there were about 300 million people, they think, when Jesus was alive. Um, and he said, the harvest is plentiful. So if you look now, obviously there's been a massive spike where medicine has improved, agriculture has improved, all of that sort of stuff. Um, so we're, we're closing in, potentially by 2050, on 9 billion people. So when there was 300 million, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. And now there's billions. The harvest is still plentiful. There's lots to do. Now, obviously, at the time when the church was born, there were about 150 believers or so. 
Now, there's some people would say about two billion. So obviously, the harvest has been reaped. Two billion people would identify as Christian in some way, but there's still billions that haven't been reached. Billions. Whether these are 100% accurate or not. There's still lots to do. It's our mission because the world doesn't know yet. Not only are there numerous people, but there's lots of different people that don't know. It says this in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As I said, we're in the ends of the earth to some degree, but also there's a principle that applies to us to say that Watford is our Jerusalem. We're to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Watford, in Hemel, in High Wycombe, and all of Hertfordshire, all of the UK, to the ends of the earth. We're meant to have big ambitions for the gospel. This is a, a chart again, hopefully you can kind of see it. This is by a group called the Joshua Project, and their, their kind of mission is to observe how many people groups are there, how many are unreached, uh, as in they, they've not received the gospel, and they've got actually a really helpful way of uh, assessing uh, how reached a people group is. So they say that out of a total of 17,000, almost 18,000 different people groups there are in the earth, on the earth, uh, that there's 7,000 who are unreached, just over 7,000, just over 1,000 that are minimally reached, and just under 2,000 that are superficially reached. So there's lots still to do. There's lots still to do. And that's why we support people, we support a Bible translation, we support a, a guy who, he's translating, he's learning a language that no one knows really, except for the people that live in the, the villages that speak that language. No one writes it down. So he's trying to learn one language so that he can learn that language, then write it down, then write the, translate the Bible for them. There's people that are giving their lives to that thing, with these sorts of things, and we, we're supporting that work because there's lots still to do. The world doesn't know yet. We're to have big ambitions for the gospel. I've been trying to remind myself, read about different revivals, listen to, to different things, people speaking about revivals, because God can do it. A couple of weeks ago, I, I shared a thing, a phrase, God can do things in our day that we think that, that's those sorts of times are gone. Thousands of people coming out to hear the gospel being preached and responding. God can do it. Thousands of people still turn up to stuff. They turn up to hear, you know, Michael McIntyre or Ricky Gervais spout their, their nonsense. nonsense, some of it. Some of it's funny. If you want to know the sort of the temperature of, of your the culture and society, comedians are a really good place to start. What do they say and people laugh at? Because it's really interesting. It's really, it helps you get an insight into, oh, so that's what people think because they're willing to laugh about that. Obviously, sometimes it's extreme, but a helpful insight. It's our mission because the world doesn't know yet. 
One day everyone will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. They'll be doing it out of fear and trembling, or they'll be rejoicing. <coughs> it's our mission to go. It's our mission because the sick need a doctor. In Luke 5, Jesus uh, called a man Levi to follow him. Uh, he said, follow me, and Levi, leaving everything, rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician or doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's Luke 5, and I've read 27 to 32. The sick need a doctor. Do you know a sinner? Do you know someone who's sick in their soul? Until every sinner you and I know has been called to repentance, the work isn't finished. There's billions more people than there were who don't know. There's more people groups than we ever realised that don't know. And everyone, every person that you know that's not confessed that Jesus is Lord needs to be called to repentance. That's a pretty massive task. It's a massive task. The good news is we're capable of doing it. It's our mission. Because Jesus said to. Because it's what we're made for. There's loads still to do. And the sick need a doctor. It's our mission. But we're capable of doing it. We're capable because we're not going alone. Jesus came and said to them, we're going to look at the same five passages and we're going to look at how Jesus and how we're enabled to do it. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're not going alone. We aren't clever people. You might be clever, but as a collective, we aren't clever people who've come up with some great idea. We're representatives of the, the king. Amen. We're ambassadors or emissaries or envoys or heralds, whatever you want to say, of the king. And we're meant to come along and say, there's a king, the real king, the one that you're, you're looking for. You, you might think that you're searching over here. You're, you're searching in the wrong place. This is what you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking for a leader. You're looking for someone to, to say, this is my government. This is my manifesto. This is where we're going as a nation. You're looking in the wrong place. You're meant to look for the one whose government will increase forever. Mm. Whose manifesto is peace. We're meant to announce the rule and reign of Jesus. He's with us as we do it. It's like saying, it's like the Queen saying she wants to come to your house for tea. 
and I come and knock on your door and I go, the Queen's told me she wants to come to your house for tea and she's standing right with me. And you're like, no, she didn't. And she's standing going, I, I, I said it, honestly, I'm saying it now. It's, a, it's, it's like that. A little bit. We're capable because we're not going alone. We're capable because we aren't doing the heavy lifting. Ephesians 2 again. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God made us alive together with Christ. But by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. God raised us from death to life. He did it. Terry Virgo says, when we read this passage, he says, it's important to remember, it doesn't say you're a little bit poorly or you're on the brink of death and you've managed to pull through. You were dead in your sin. Flatline. Buried. Coffin screwed down. That's what my old football manager used to say when we were winning. He said, I don't want you to nail the coffin and I want you to screw it down. And he used to put some choice language in there. But we were dead. Buried, poured concrete on. You're not getting out of it. We were made alive by God. <laughs> this is not our own doing. It's the gift of God. With his workmanship, he's created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which he's prepared beforehand. So not only were we saved, we were made alive and saved, that then he says, okay, and now I'm going I'm to make you to do good works. I'm going to remake you to do good works. And so I've brought you to life. I've, I've remade you to do good works. And now what I'm going to do is, just while you're over there for a second, I'm going to prepare all these good works for you to do so that you can just walk in them. So it's not like we have to strive and try hard to do these things. We need to work hard. We need to give our best efforts. But it's not like it's not like we need to be we're going to struggle to find someone who needs to hear the gospel. When you drive home today, let's be really generous and say that 50% of the people who are driving home as well, or walking home, say 50% of them went to church this morning. That's not true, but let's be generous. Okay? So 50% of the people that you see on your way home need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. At least. It's not hard to find these people. We're not doing the heavy lifting. God, I was chatting to uh, Matt last week at the, the uh, Exploring Membership Lunch, and we were reflecting on uh, how poorly we share the gospel. Said, but God's so gracious. It's God's grace that does it. I've, I think I've said this before. I once heard someone preach a gospel message say this, he spoke for 20 minutes, 15 minutes of which was him telling a story about him and his son finding a frog and putting it on a remote control boat and driving around the lake. And then at the end he said, you know, you're a sinner, Jesus died for your sin so that you can have a relationship with God. People responded to the gospel. God is gracious. Now, he might have done a better job than that, but in my mind that's what it's like. <laughs> 
We're capable because we aren't doing the heavy lifting. It's God who saves, not us. We're capable because there's loads of opportunity. I've already said about this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's not like we need to be especially uh, strategic or brilliant to find people who need a transforming encounter with Jesus. They said, just do that little experiment on your way home. Just give a rough estimate of how many people you think you've passed by. We're capable because there's loads of opportunity and we've been empowered to do it. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power and be my witnesses. In, in Acts, the, sort of the next chapter, Acts 2, there's the, the, sort of the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit falls, Acts 1 and 2, and the church is born. And the Holy Spirit comes on people and fills them up and it's poured, poured out and they begin speaking different languages, languages they don't know. And people are like, hang on, you're, you, you don't know our, you're talking about God, you don't know our language. And then Peter gets up, some, gets up and preaches the first sermon uh, of the church. They're empowered to be his witnesses. We, when we receive the Holy Spirit, are empowered to be witnesses. We're capable because it's easier than you think. It's easier than you think to, to begin on this journey. Luke 5 is this. Uh, Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. Physician? Physician? Doctor. Those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We do a show of hands. Do you eat and drink? Have you ever had a party? Okay, you can do this. You can do it. Have you ever gone to a party that someone else has organised? You can do it. Eat and drink. Why do you eat and drink with them? You know, you know he's the local drug dealer. You know he's, the, he's, no, he's not a, a good character. You know he's a bit of a yobbo. I don't know if they've still got these anymore. Do you know that they've got asbos? <laughs> asbos to the thing, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. My mate's still called asbos. My mate's still got one, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Why, you, why have you gone to the chippies and bought a load of chips and you're standing there chatting to the, the oiks who stand round causing trouble? Well, they're my mates. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's easy to do this. It's easy to do it. Now, that doesn't mean we're, we're going to get all soft on sin. But actually, I think we need to be we need to be ready to be a bit more uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. A bit more uncomfortable on on a Sunday morning, maybe. Oh, I didn't know they were going to be here today. 
It's a bit funny. What have they been up to? <laughs> Car's a bit foggy. <laughs> are you convinced that we are capable? Are you convinced that it's our mission? Yeah. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the fact that Jesus said we're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Mm. We haven't talked about the fact that when Jesus stood up to begin his ministry, he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to preach good news. We're going to watch a, a short clip. I don't know if I a prime view to get sound in that, but so while they're doing that, we're going to watch a short clip from a film because I want to, I want to, I want us to all really. I think we should all have an attitude a bit like Matt's attitude was earlier. Mm. Yeah. I want to give my all to this. I know it's not me; it's, it's God working through. But I want to be as available as possible. Thank you. I want to give the best that I possibly can. This isn't condemnation. This isn't guilt tripping. This is reality. This is what we're here for. We're here to live life on mission. Are we close? Should be? Okay. This is a short clip uh, from Shinder's list. There's some uh, question marks over whether this is 100% historically accurate, but he saved about 1,100 lives, and this is his reaction, Oscar Schindler. Thank you. 
as a sculptor to multiple. One more. Could have saved one more. I threw so much away. Sorry, excuse me. My job, don't know, I work full time for this church. My job is to get people ready to die, to get you ready to die. So that when you meet Jesus, you don't say, could have got one more. I wasted so much life and time and money. I threw it away. Could have got one more. My job is to prepare you for that day. A day is coming when we will stand before Jesus and give an account of how we stewarded the gospel. That is coming. So it's not condemnation or guilt tripping. It's not a, I hope you feel bad. It's I don't want you to feel bad. Mm-hmm. And he shared a little bit on Friday about a conversation he had with his friends. Because he doesn't want to be standing in front of Jesus, seeing his... and. Uh, uh, his friends who he loved there and then say, why didn't you tell me? And his his only response be, I thought if I had been awkward. I thought you might have got offended. That's not gonna be a good excuse. It's our mission and we're capable. I want to challenge us to respond and offer ourselves fully to this mission. Knowing it's one of the key jobs we have to do, but we don't want to end up with regrets that we could have done more. Knowing it's what we're called to by our Lord, and knowing that we're equipped to do the work that's been prepared for us.